Hello, and welcome to Arthur's first attempt at a remote Bible study podcast for our congregation at St. Paul's Lutheran Church. Before we actually get into the topic of the Bible study, please allow me to talk about our current situation. Let me start by saying I would be the first to admit that I thought all of the closings and talk about social distancing was blown way out of proportion. In retrospect, I have now tempered my cynicism and think that a lot of the decisions, as difficult as they were, were the right decisions. This past Saturday, our church council had a called meeting to discuss plans surrounding the coronavirus. As a result of their discussions, our regularly scheduled church services have been canceled for the next couple of weeks. Even though our church services have been canceled, that by no means affects whether or not we can worship our God and our Creator. It just changes how we do that. What that looks like in the short term is still being worked out by our pastor and our church leaders. In the meantime, I do believe we should all take the social distancing recommendations very seriously and do our part to help prevent the spread of this virus. While we are practicing social distancing, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not, and he is as close as ever to each and every one of us as he has ever been. In times like this, I'm reminded of a blessing that a dearly departed friend of mine used to pray quite often. It went something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, let us be aware of the needs of others and help us to do something about it. This is certainly applicable to us as followers of Christ and even more so during this time of uncertainty that surrounds the coronavirus. To help you prepare for this Bible study, you may want to pause this recording temporarily and get a notepad and pen in your Bible. That is, of course, unless you're driving, and if that's the case, I would just recommend to continue driving and keep listening. Our Bible study for today is on the parable of the rich young ruler. It can be found in three of the Gospels. The one I will read from today is Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 30. The rich young ruler can also be found in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 30, as well as the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 18 through 30. We learn from Matthew's account that the rich person was a young man. We learn from Mark's account he was a rich man. And finally, in Luke's account, we learned he was a ruler. That is why I and many others refer to this as the parable of the rich young ruler. I will be reading Matthew 19, verses 16 through 30 from the NIV Bible. Jesus had been teaching in the Galilee area, but he had moved on from there, and at the time of this teaching, he was in the region of Judea. He still had large crowds that followed him because of his ability to heal many illnesses and infirmities. 
Let's dive into Matthew's testimony regarding the encounter Jesus had with this rich young ruler. Here is a reading from Matthew. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these things I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. This is the word of the Lord. You know, I really believe the rich young ruler was sincere in asking Jesus what he thought it would take to have eternal life, but I don't think he was prepared for the answer. I think it's interesting that the rich young ruler did not say, what good things do I need to do, but what good thing do I need to do? Immediately, this makes me think of works righteousness instead of God's grace. After Jesus chastised him a little bit for referring to something good as opposed to acknowledging God being the only true good in the world, Jesus lets him know that he should obey the commandments. Not quite satisfied with that answer, the rich young ruler wants to know which ones. And Jesus proceeds to answer him by telling him, you shall not murder and the rich young ruler must be thinking, well, good, because I hadn't murdered anyone. 
And Jesus goes on to say, you shall not commit adultery. And I'm sure the rich young ruler is going to think, that's good. I hadn't done that either. Then he says, you shall not steal. Well, good. I hadn't stolen anything from anyone. You shall not give false testimony. So this guy's got to be thinking, you know, I'm checking all the boxes here. And I'm getting really close. And lastly, you must love your neighbor as yourself. Oh boy, he's beside himself now, sure. The rich young ruler says, teacher, all of these I have done. Now I'm thinking this young man has got to think he has eternal life sewed up. Why do you think this young man asked that one final question to Jesus? When he looked at Jesus and said, what do I still lack? Do you think he was hoping for a response, something like, what, nothing at all. You've checked all the boxes. You will have eternal life. But, wow, here comes a zinger from Jesus. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give them to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Mm. So far, the man has attained only an outward obedience to the law, and he's not even discovered that this is utterly useless for salvation. The thing he lacks begins with this discovery, and thus the realization that what he needs is a complete inward change. This change Jesus describes to him in detail when he tells this man to go, sell all your possessions, give them to the poor. Jesus is laying his finger on the chief sin in this man's heart, the love of his earthly possessions. Surely Jesus did not intend for this young man to have to give up all his worldly possessions. I mean, even Martin Luther said, you need to have certain possessions such as home, clothing, food, the story does not tell us the final outcome of this young man, but I can only imagine that he probably struggled and pondered these things that Jesus said to him for quite a while. The great difficulty of trying to attain eternal life on your own was emphasized by Jesus and his exaggerated example of a camel passing through a needle's eye. I can almost see the disciples as they look at each other and shake their heads and throw their hands in there as they muttered to each other. What did we just hear? Jesus reminds them that eternal life is a gift from God and the salvation they are discussing is based on God and not on human beings. After hearing all this, Peter let Jesus know that he and his disciple friends have done all this. So what does that mean for them? Jesus wraps up by letting the disciples know that their future role will be in the kingdom of God. Once again, Jesus emphasizes the upside down kingdom by saying that many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. That has always been something very difficult to me to understand and grasp. But the more I learn about Jesus, the more he reveals himself to me, it, it makes sense.
And Jesus reveals in his next parable about the workers in the vineyard just who the many he referred to are. I'd like to thank you all for participating in this Bible study. And please remember, as I stated at the beginning, even though we as individuals are doing our part by social distancing, Jesus is still as close as he ever has been to each and every one of us. Please continue to stay in God's word every day. And I would recommend watching the short video on the book of Matthew part two that can be found on Bible project website. Thank you and peace be with you.